This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. going on y'all welcome to another episode of a sensi fan talking with lp and of course this is yours truly lp appreciate y'all stopping past for another week another episode appreciate y'all giving me another half hour uh, i don't know however long this <laughs> however long i go i just happen i appreciate y'all coming through and giving me a little bit of y'all time always check out the link tree um do me that solid check out those causes check out all the stuff that's near and dear to me um if you can't donate as i always say if you can't donate share out i will really appreciate that but as always thanks for stopping by and hearing what i got to say because um that's the best thing to me uh, somebody just listening to what you have to say that's that's absolutely dope so thank you for that um we're gonna dip into we're gonna dip into a lot of things we're gonna dip into some some football college pro um get into a little bit of education talk um we're gonna talk about that so um got the promo for y'all for um for one of the twitter homies real cool um tamra don uh, got a real dope podcast um really need y'all to check that out so we're gonna um we're gonna do her promo on somebody that's really helped me as far as getting my podcast out there and just helping me like navigate through all of this stuff so um check out her um, podcast um we're gonna check out her promo real dope stuff so got a lot of stuff to get through and to get to um the the bank was called a l the bank was called a w i mean um and it's funny because you know when i do my notes i just basically write a one-liner about what i'm gonna talk about and i just kind of like start talking about that and I wrote my one-liner yesterday about the Bengals. I literally wrote this, y'all. Like, no shit. This is what I wrote. I really don't want to talk about the Bengals, but I am. <laughs> That's what I wrote because I just figured it was going to catch the L. I really did. So when I said that, that was me thinking what I thought was going to happen yesterday. And <laughs> who knew, right? That's why you line up and that's why you play the game. That's you, you gotta give it to Zach and the boys. You really do. I mean, they've been looking like stir fried trash for the past three, four weeks. Like, it really has not been looking good. And if anybody out there was thinking what I was thinking, I wouldn't be mad at you. Like I really thought it was a when the ESPN analyst was out there 
talking cash, like, yeah, 28-3, I wasn't even mad. I wasn't even about to watch the game. I was about to play 2K like I really was. <laughs> I was about to just wrap it up. Son told me to watch the game because that's my squad. Those are my Bengals. Win or lose, ride or die. Like, I'm, I'm watching my Bengals. And sure enough, they pulled it out. They really, and I haven't said this since the Tennessee game. They really looked like they wanted to win the game more than the opponent, which is absolutely crazy because Pittsburgh had more on the line. I mean, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster shouldn't have been dancing on the logo like that. I mean, maybe Pittsburgh shouldn't have just underestimated their opponent like that. There, there was a lot going into it, but the Bengals really showed up to play. The defense showed up to play, and maybe this had a lot to do with Big Ben finally regressing. And me and the wife, we're looking at the game, and we've been tortured from the ghost of Roethlisberger past. We've just been tortured by this guy. Down 14, down 17. Ben and the boys come back and get it done. And the kicker, Boswell, never missed against the Bengals. So at some point, we just watching like, okay, when does Pittsburgh show up? When does Pittsburgh show up? Even when the Bengals are up 17 nothing, we just kind of looking. We like, we want to get geeked up. We want to get geeked up. We want to get hyped up. <laughs> That's what we thinking. That's what we thinking when we looking at the game. But at some point, we just looked at each other and we was like, the Bengals just look like the better team. They just do. And it showed the Bengals looked like the better team. We haven't said that a lot in 2020. So you got to give credit where credit is due. You can't be out here like, oh, well, Pittsburgh was trash and they're really not a great team. Come on, man. They're 11-3. You don't win 11 games in the NFL by being trash. It doesn't happen that way. The Bengals beat a good team by playing better. What we're not going to do is absolve the entire season because the Bengals won the game. Like, no, nobody's doing that. No rational fan is doing that. I'm not up here telling you everything is all well and good. I'm not saying that. That, that. That's not what I'm doing right now. I'm not saying that all the problems for the Bengals are fixed. I'm not saying that we can get off of Zach Taylor's case. By the way, He's not on the high seat. Honestly, he never was. I know I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, like, maybe, you know, I need to let him go. We need to go in another direction. It's not going to happen. Out in Cincinnati, if you got three or four years on your contract, you're getting those three or four years. I wouldn't say that's a bad thing in Cincinnati because Cincinnati is unique in that. Your contract might be a little bit lower than in other places. Like, say you go to Washington. Say you go to Philly. Say you go to Dallas. I don't know. Somewhere like that. You might get way above market value as a coach, as a player, or whatever. You just might. But you think you, you really think you're getting all those years if you don't if you don't perform? Like, you really think you're getting all those years? No, it's not happening for you. 
But in Cincinnati, you might not get market value. You might get underpaid a little bit. But you'll get all your years. They'll ride it out in Cincinnati. They'll, we'll let you, we'll give you a chance to turn it around here. (laughs) Mike Brown and the boys will do that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a good thing. In the Bengals organization, that's just their thing. All organizations have a thing. That's the Bengals thing. Some coaches gravitate to that, and they like that, and they want to be here because of that. Some coaches want to get paid. (laughs) They think they can perform, and they want to get paid, so they're like, "Ah, I don't want to be like that. And you'll notice in the Marvin Lewis tenure, he was able to attract players here on that banner. He was like, look, you might not get what you'll get in other places, but we'll give you X amount of dollars and you will get X amount of dollars over somewhere else. They'll say you'll get Z amount of dollars, but you'll only get X amount of dollars and they'll kick you out. For this reason, Zach Taylor's not going anywhere. I mean, he's not. Unless the Bengals drop from bad to absolutely bad, we got Zach Taylor. That's who we have. He's going to be here. Now, I'm not saying things are going to be like absolutely great because of what happened after this one game. No, things are still bad here in Cincinnati. I mean, they are. There's no getting around it. But (laughs) for one day, for one game, shit was great. (laughs) Call call it a vacation. Like, just call it that. One of my favorite movies growing up, still one of my favorite movies, was was What About Bob? I I find this movie absolutely hilarious. I, I do. And Bill Murray basically takes a vacation from his problems. That's what he did. And all types of shit happened from this point. But that's what we as fans got to do yesterday. That's what we got to do on the Monday Night Football game. We got to take a vacation from our problems. And there's people on Twitter going off like, well, yeah, you know, the social media account for the Bengals. You need to worry about Joe Burrow's leg and this that and the third chill out like calm down we get it 154 percent we know what's going on but the Bengals beat the Steelers for the first time in 11 tries we lost the last 10 and we look good doing it we took a vacation from our problems Leave us alone, okay? Give us a couple of days. Let us live it up because it's been a while since we've had this feeling against the Steelers. Catch us on Wednesday or Thursday, okay? Catch us on Thursday. And we can talk about how the defense was getting ran throughout the other weeks and how Zach Taylor's play calling has been bad most weeks and... All the myriad of problems that's going on. We can talk about all that later. But for right now, (laughs) damn it, we on vacation. (laughs) 
<laughs> like we on vacation. And while we on vacation, leave us alone. Uh, unless you buying us drinks. Uh, unless you giving us like shots. <laughs> unless you replaying that hit that Von Bell delivered. Like, unless you got something to contribute to the vacation, stay in your cold weather part of the brain. <laughs> that's really what that's about. And and as Bengals fans, that's where we are with it. But we do understand where we are as a franchise. And it was a great day yesterday. A great day yesterday. But it doesn't really change much. I think it would be a big problem if winning kept happening and people translated that into things are changing. That's when I think there would be a problem. I don't mind winning games. Like, if you're a Bengals fan, you shouldn't mind winning games at all. You're crazy if you don't want your team to win. Like, what's wrong with you? Why would you want your team to tank? Like, dude, chill out. I know you want a high draft pick, but, like, at the expense of your team being trash, be for real. But if you start equating these last couple of games, getting wins, to all of a sudden the team being fixed, you tripping. <laughs> like, you really are. The team is broken this year, and they need to be fixed. A few wins this year doesn't change that. A few wins this year is basically a vacation from our problems. <laughs> it just makes the last couple of weeks a little bit easier to swallow. That's all it would do. But no one should equate this for what happened all the other weeks. Because you are your record. No matter how you got there, I mean, we're 3-10-1. Doesn't matter how close the losses were, none of that. I mean, that's what it is. So we'll go from pro to college, and we'll talk about all the people whining about Ohio State getting in, the uh, college football playoff. And here's the funny thing to me. And I'll just put this out here before I even start. The college football playoff was super fair. And it was immensely unfair. And the thing is, we knew both of these things before the season even started. Why people are acting surprised about these things, I do not get. I really don't understand it. Like, why people are surprised about these things. Number one, did we not know there was a pandemic before the season started? Everybody's acting so surprised about Ohio State only playing six games. I mean, if you look at these coaches that are complaining about the number of games um, teams are playing, look at their quotes from the beginning of the season. They don't match up with what they're saying now. It's It doesn't matter how many games teams play as long as they're good enough to be there. I mean, this is what these coaches were saying at the beginning of the season. And then you line it up to now. Oh, I can't believe it. Ohio State only plays six games. They don't deserve to be there. I mean, it's a bunch of bullshit for real. 
Like, it really is. And I get what a lot of these teams are doing. The Clemsons, the Alabamas, the Texas A&Ms. A lot of these teams are, they're just defending their team. And they're trying to get in the heads of Ohio State. It's what you do. But a lot of these fans and a lot of these analysts, you got to realize we're in a pandemic. Everybody's schedule is going to be jacked up. And especially when you realize that the Big Ten screwed this up in the beginning. The Big Ten really shouldn't be playing football. I mean, they got it right. Then they got it wrong. (laughs) Then they got it right again. Then they got it wrong again. Either you're not going to play or you're going to let them play at the same time that everybody else played. I didn't think they should have been playing in the first place. I mean, once you shut it down, you got to shut it down. But if you're going to let them play, you got to let them play as soon as possible so you don't run into this problem. The ACC and the SEC and a lot of these other conferences, they decided early on, we're going to let the kids play. And we're going to do it early so that when we have to cancel games, not if, but when we have to cancel games, what we can do is we can make them up. The Big Ten, him hauled, went back and forth. Now, now teams like Ohio State, Indiana, Iowa, they can't make up games. They're just screwed. So now we get to the college football playoff, and now people are complaining. And fans are going to be fans. Fans are going to complain if their team doesn't get their way. If Ohio State was 10-0 and and Alabama was 6-0 and and Alabama got in, you would hear people like me irate. How does Alabama get in? It's just people loving Alabama. It's what we fans do. If our team isn't getting a fair shake, we complain. If we feel like our team is getting disrespected, we complain. Fans are innate complainers. That's what we do. <laughs> like, we want our team to win. If your team's not winning, you're irrational. <laughs> like, you're just a baby. Like, stop complaining so much. If my team's not winning, all of the forces of the world are conspiring to ruin my team. Everybody hates my team. This is how fans think. Rarely do you find a rational fan that goes like, oh, well, it really wouldn't matter what Saturday Road is sitting on. Everybody's going to get treated unfair unless you're Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama or Notre Dame. And maybe if you want to throw it in there, Oklahoma. And oh, look, who's five of the top six? (laughs) Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma at number six. Texas A&M is number five, but let's be real. Texas A&M never had a shot. Like, they really didn't. Like, it wasn't even a thought. So what's really happening is, We knew who was going to be in the top four before the season started. 
Like, let's be real. Ohio State played one game and was number three in the polls. All they had to do was keep winning, and they were going to get in. As an Ohio State fan, I'm good with this. (laughs) As a Cincinnati fan, this irks my soul. It really does. Because I understand that as a as a UC fan, UC has no shot to get in the college football playoff. It's never going to happen. It's not. They can win every single game they play. And they can beat teams in the Power Five. They're not going to get in. The system is not set up for them to get in. Um... I was talking to um to to one of the homies on the podcast um uh, the Friday Night Music Party podcast definitely check them out by the way um they I talked about them before they they like to mix up the music um real diverse pod I love that guy over there um, real good stuff um talking to him kind of going back and forth about this it would just make more sense if. The group of five branched off and just had their own playoff. Why not? There's no way people wouldn't watch it. I'm I'm definitely down to watch a college football playoff with the group of five in it. That's just good TV right there. You can still keep your same schedule. You can still play teams in the Power Five. I mean, it'll give you a hell of a boost if you beat them. But at least this way, you can play for a national championship. And you have a say. You have a real say in what happens to you. You're not counting on nine teams to lose ahead of you three times. UC, University of Cincinnati, was behind Oklahoma with two losses and Iowa State with two losses. It it just doesn't make sense. But if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're like, well, we would beat the paste out of Cincinnati, I mean. But do you know that for sure? Have you seen Cincinnati play? Do you know how good they are? Do you know the type of athletes they have on their team? I mean, it's it's just weird that every single sport has a playoff in in college. And when you look at football, they all have playoffs except for FBS. I mean, it's it's just the weirdest thing. And I mean, you know it's all about the money. I mean, you can see that it's it's all about the dough. You you gotta have that Meineke car care bowl. You gotta have the alumni bowl and the I don't know the Spectrum alarm clock, um, fan post bed rail bowl, power by Netflix. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you got to have those bowls, right? But wouldn't it make sense if those bowls meant something? Like if you could get all of those bowls 
to be a part of the playoff instead of just two of them and have more teams included in a power five playoff or invite more teams from the group of five into a big playoff. But I mean, once you start making sense, then the money starts dropping off and once the money starts dropping off, then there's less incentive for people to actually join it. And yeah, I don't know. But for me, it seems like year in and year out, we know who's going to be in the playoff. 20 of the 28 playoff spots since this whole thing has started has been Oklahoma, Ohio State, <laughs> Alabama, and Clemson. That's 20 of the 28 possible playoff spots. Now, as an Ohio State fan, cool with me, but that's four happy fan bases. And you're looking at all of the other fan bases looking like, what are we hustling for? Like, what is this about? I mean, you can only go to the Citrus Bowl so many times before it just doesn't mean much. And then you have more and more kids opting out. They're like, I mean, why am I risking it when it just really doesn't mean as much? And we can say, oh, it means a lot. These kids want to go out as a winner. But on New Year's Day, they're watching the four teams that are actually playing for a national championship. More teams should have a shot. I mean, when you look at it, isn't that why we watch March Madness? We know deep down. Like, <laughs> we understand when we're watching the the basketball NCAA tournament, we know in our hearts there's about seven teams that have a pure shot of winning that whole thing. We know this. Like, we, we get it. But why do we watch? We watch for those small teams that have that one shot to maybe, possibly, that blue moon shot of winning. We know they won't, but they got a shot. And that's all these things are asking for, a shot. And in football, they're not even getting a shot. And when you think about it, it's unfair. And I'm saying that as an Ohio State fan. Like, it, it, it's inherently unfair for a group of five team to go undefeated in their conference and not get a shot. And for another group of five team to go undefeated in their conference and then knock off ranked teams and not get a shot. I mean, it really is unfair when you think about it. So, I would say I hope something gets done about it. But, yeah, it's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, it's been like this since... It's been like this for decades. I mean, it's just opened up from two to four in the past six years. So, yeah, change is going to be super slow. <laughs> um, we're going to go ahead and jump into that promo. So, um, we'll be right back. Since you fan talking with LP, take you in a second. Hey y'all, hey, it's your girl Tamara Dawn, host of Tamara Till the Break of Dawn podcast. 
Now join me every Thursday on your favorite podcast platform and hop on my train of thought as I talk about the foolishness I'm going through and the ways I'm trying to grow. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamra underscore the underscore Dawn. Now every other letter is an A in Tamra, but make sure y'all check me out every Thursday on your favorite podcast platform. And welcome back to a Cincy fan talking with LP. Yeah, definitely make sure y'all check out Tamra to the Break of Dawn podcast. That's every Thursday. Make sure y'all check her out. You can also hit her on, on Twitter and Instagram. That's Tamra, T-A-M-A-R-A underscore the underscore Dawn, D-A-W-N. Real dope pod. Um, really makes you think. Um, I usually check it out every week. So make sure y'all do too. Like I said, real dope, intellectual, um, get funny at times. So make sure y'all give it a listen or two. You'll definitely be back to it. Yo, never have I ever been as hyped about a versus battle as I had with E40 and Too Short. Like, I had it programmed on my phone like half an hour before so I wouldn't miss the DJs like like I was on it. Usually for the versus battles I like peep in and out. You know, I catch like a song or two or whatever and then you know, just bounce in and out or whatever. Um I think the one um I think the one Ludacris did I I was there for I was there for most of that. But this one I don't know for this one, for me, this this just meant more. <laughs> it it really just did because I, I I grew up on E forty and Too Short. That's 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 just what I listened to. Like it it was just it was just a little different in the nineties because as far as like accessibility of music or whatever, I wouldn't say it was more difficult to get music. But it was like, once you discovered music, especially music that wasn't really from your area, once you discovered it, you, you kind of felt like, not like you owned it, like, but you kind of felt territorial. Like, you know, I, I discovered this, like, and you told all your friends, like, hey, check out what I found. Like, yeah, yeah, I was on this before you. That's how I felt with, like, E forty and like too short and like most Bay Area stuff like, I, like my brother like me and my brother, that's what we did like, we discovered Bay Area music, way back, like. We was bumping too short tapes like. <laughs> Eighty. We we really weren't supposed to be listening to this stuff in like eighty nine, we really wasn't. <laughs> like it's it's embarrassing to say, but like I got into so much trouble just leaving that stuff out. My mother was just looking at me like, "Boy, what?" Like, but that's what we did. Like we was just listening to like a lot of Bay Area artists. Like, 
a lot of them, a lot of people, a lot of people didn't know about these artists, but we just really liked the sound because it it sound it sounded different. Like everybody kind of had their own sound. That, that was the thing about the nineties. It was like everybody had their own sound, and it just kind of mixed up. And then once it started bouncing around from like region to region. People kind of mixed it in, but no one was afraid to say, hey, this is somebody else's and this is somebody else's. And I feel like what E-40 and Too Short have done is really, really smart because they're not afraid to lend their sound to other people. And I feel like a lot of artists, as they get older, they're getting really territorial. And they're like, you know, these these younger rappers, they don't know about the game. They don't, they don't know about the game. They don't know about this, that, and the third but they're not going to know about the game if you don't tell it to them. Like, if nobody teaches it to them, they don't know it. And that's what I feel like is so dope about Too Short and E-40. Like, they're willing to teach people what they know. And they're willing to let people sample their music. And they're willing to hop on tracks with other people so other people can understand where they're coming from. It helps them stay relevant, too. So somebody like E-40... Who has consistently been like a gold slash platinum artist. More gold than platinum. But he's consistently gold. Like consistently a gold artist. To the point where he's beyond profitable. Because all the money is his. Because he's not on like major labels. Like that money is his. So being a gold artist on your own label. Is killing being platinum on somebody else's label. Like people like E40 and Too Short, they like they understood the game years before other people did. And this is it's just it was really dope to see them out there like shining and like pumping their own brands up and like it was it was cool. It was like I was like holding like my E forty in a major way, like tape up like <laughs> like dang, I was listening to this way back then, like like it was cool, so like major props to them, like major props to the Bay Area all together, man. They 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 really did their thing, but I feel like we all won for real, cause that was that was a real dope quote unquote battle, cause they weren't really battling. It was just like two friends playing their music. <laughs> That's all it was. Like well, I got this, well I got this, well, I got this, well I got this, but uh, that wasn't really a battle. You we just saw two friends playing music for like two plus hours and then they probably went home and laughed about how much money they made. That's probably how it should always be. Like <laughs> I mean, that's that's how I see it in my head. Like that's probably what happened. They probably just got I don't know <laughs> got some food or whatever. But hey, shout out to them. Shout out to everybody that was that was listening or whatever. That was that was cool. Um we are on winter break, like our entire house. So we we up here living it up for the next two weeks. And to tell you what, um, it couldn't have came soon enough for everybody in the house because um, it's pretty much been remote learning for for all of us for the most part. And it has it has been an absolute drain. It's, 
it, it, it's it's been something else, and I I know I got like more than a few friends that's that's been in school and out of school and in school and out of school because they had to like quarantine, you know, do the close contact and stuff like that, and like it's it's been an absolute mess. Like as far as as far as us teachers, like th- this has been a year. For for me, and this is just me personally. What what this has shown me is that that gap between the haves and the have-nots, like that gap between schools that have what they need and schools that don't, so they have to do all types of things to engage kids and keep kids in contact and like. It's just getting bigger. And I know we see stuff on the news with these teachers doing like innovative and creative things and all of that. Like I know we see that, but I mean, sometimes it it makes me sad, (laughs) honestly, that teachers have to do so much. And it's it's, kind of crazy to me. I mean, to do so much to be called a great teacher, to do so much to get all of this praise. I mean, it's, it sometimes, sometimes it's maddening to me. I mean, I'm, I'm watching a lot of kids and I won't say they're not trying because I, I, I've kind of broken this down and I get where the lack of effort comes from. Um, it doesn't. It's not like they don't want to try. Especially with this remote learning thing, it's gotten to the point where it's not the kids. It's not the kids don't want to fail. It's to the point where, especially kids in underserved communities, they feel like they can't fail because if they do fail, they won't get another shot. So what I see personally is I see kids that it's not like they're not trying because they don't want to try. They've seen consequences of what happens when they do try so many times that they really don't try on questions anymore because what happens if I make a mistake? If that kind of makes sense. So... The culture in my classroom for years and years has been eliminating the culture of making a mistake. We're to the point in class now where we discuss how it's okay to make mistakes. Like we weave in the whole making mistakes is okay thing. Like we're kind of weaving that in the class and we've been doing that for years now. We have discussions about how learning is failure because for so long, they've been in cultures and climates where you can't fail because if you do fail, you don't get another shot and the repercussions of failure is is real life. Like there are real life consequences attached to failure where some of these kids are from and they interpret that to education. And to a lot of people, it's like, what? We're just doing math problems. 
But you got to understand that some kids can't, they can't separate that. Like, I'm doing this math problem, but what happens if I miss it? What happens if I just kids start laughing at me? Now nah, I don't want to do it. It ain't worth it. <laughs> so, it's always for those first few weeks in class. We're talking to the kids in class and we're like, look, this is the classroom of mistakes. This is what we do here. You're going to miss some questions to get the right answer. It's cool. Sometimes we just give them problems and we're like, look, this is the question. And we're like, okay, you're going to get it wrong sometimes. You're going to get this question wrong. Nobody knows how to do this question right now. But we're going to learn it together. What? Yeah, that's that's what we're doing. Just kind of weaving that in. And distance learning is the best thing for that because everybody's on a computer. And since everybody's on a computer, it's a little bit easier to kind of get that message across. It's a little bit easier. I think that's the one thing that's good about distance learning. Since we're not all together per se, that whole stigma of everybody's looking at me, that's kind of like not there. The problem is not everybody can get there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy that in the year of our Lord 2020, not everybody has access to the things that they need. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Like, and I'm not knocking the families because I don't feel like personally it's the family's fault that all families don't have Wi-Fi service. I personally feel like Wi-Fi should be free for all. If we're asking all of these kids to do these things, why doesn't governmental services make it so that this stuff is free? I mean, real stuff like this really doesn't make sense to me. I mean, in order to close an educational gap, if we're really talking about things like no child left behind in America, wouldn't it be easier to do things like that so no child is left behind? Wouldn't it be easier to enable Wi-Fi services for everyone? Now, of course, I know there are logistical things. There are logistical concerns, of course. But making that step, getting free hotspots to everyone, just makes perfect sense. I mean, Congress is passing bills like they're doing now. One of those bills could be educationally based and putting that out there would help. Well, I don't know, LP, this pandemic might end soon. Okay, the pandemic is ending soon, but do you think the need for Wi-Fi will end once the pandemic ends? Hell no. These kids are going to need stuff like this long after this pandemic is over. I mean, I know in my classroom, me personally, and this is just me speaking personally, I've been trying to give assignments the way I'm giving them now for a couple of years, but I couldn't because everybody didn't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> but once the pandemic happened, we were able to get grants and things like that and now more and more kids have Wi-Fi. And now the assignments that I wasn't able to do a couple of years ago, I'm able to do easily now. 
I mean, that's actually because of the pandemic. There are things that I wanted to do in my classroom two years ago that I'm doing now in my class. And when I asked my class a couple of years ago, hey, um, who has access to do this assignment? I have like three or four hands pop up. Everybody else was like, oh, I have to do it on my phone. Okay, everybody has phones, but there's no way to do this assignment on this phone. It doesn't format right. And I know there's a lot of people out there going like, well, why can't they do the assignment on the phone? I mean, phones have services like that, right? Sure they do. But you try doing some of your work on the phone and see what happens. I mean, this... This is the thing that concerns me the most about remote learning. Coming back. Because what I've learned is once the problem is gone, people think the problem is gone. (laughs) I'm going to make that make sense for you. Once this pandemic is quote unquote over, people are going to think, that the educational gap that we're seeing now is going to close. People are going to think that just because that we're letting the kids get back into school, that all of a sudden things are going to get better. But we're going to end up with kids having the same problems that they had when they left. These problems, they haven't went anywhere. They were there once we started letting the kids go home because we saw three or four virus cases. Lack of funding in these inner city schools. Lack of Wi-Fi resources. Lack of equipment. All, All this stuff hasn't changed. It's still there. And unless we start fixing this stuff now... While we're shining this real big light on the situation. Unless we change this stuff now. That gap is just going to get bigger. Because while we're talking about how we're seeing like one segment of education struggling. There's another large segment of education that hasn't skipped a beat. There are public school systems in America that haven't skipped a beat. They've been doing this distance learning stuff for years. They were able to segue into this easily. This was not a problem for them. But for other districts, major issue. There were some districts that were using packets, you know, just paper packets for a very long time. Because of resources, resource issues. And then you have some districts, their kids already had laptops. Every kid in the district had laptops and we're taking them home every single day to homes where they all had Wi-Fi. So they basically said, hey, we're just going to go ahead and do our entire bail schedule. From the phone, from our um, computers. And it was easy for them. No problem. 
So what we have to do is figure out how to close the educational gap. And I won't say that it's simple, but there are ways to begin it. That's what I will say, because no problem this big is simple. I mean, it's kind of funny to me when I hear people say, oh, well, it's simple. Here's what we do. If it was that simple, we would have already done it. <laughs> like it would have been done a long time ago. But there are ways that we can start. And what's maddening to me is that in a lot of places, inner city schools, we haven't started. And nobody's helping to start it. So we got to get there because you're just going to see that gap grow and grow and grow and grow. So I, I, I really do hope that the powers that be, they're really paying attention to what's happening. And when I say really paying attention, what I'm not saying is just get everybody back in school. That's That's not the final answer. We were all in school before. We were in school last year and we all had the same problems. <laughs> so just getting us in school, that isn't the first step. It, it's going to take more than that, because truth be told, if we all had what we needed, if everybody had what they needed, we could get we could get stuff done outside of school. Remote learning could just be flowing really well outside of school. Remote learning isn't working well because everybody doesn't have the resources. Now, when I say it's that simple, that really is that simple. Remote learning isn't working because the resources aren't there. And since the resources aren't there, there's a lot of different modes that have to shift. Parents have to do things they don't want to do. Teachers have to do things that they don't want to do. And then you see students that have to do things that they don't want to do. And it's like one big, horrible circle. So getting the kids in school, it definitely does solve some problems. But it won't solve them all. So that's that's my spill on that. And we're going to go ahead and head out on that note. Um, as always, make sure you check us out every Tuesday. Um, Y'all know how that go. And we're going to ride out for this week. Um, until next week. As always, y'all, life is good. Since you fan talking with LB, peace out. If you're not ready for the conversation to end, I'm not either. Make sure to catch me on Twitter. That's the Cincy Fan Talking. Leave off the G at the end of it, and we can keep the conversation going. Also, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes. The episodes will drop every Tuesday. If there's a change in that, I'll make sure to let you know. Appreciate the support. As always, life is good. Thank you.